and welcome to another edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. No Mark Heath this week, he's once again in his Peak District happy place. So you've got me, Andy Warren, in the host chair, but thankfully I'm not alone and I'm joined by a man who is now the proud owner of a second parody account. That is Stuart Watson. Are you aware of this, Stu? Uh, yes, I, I am aware of it. Yeah, I, I did see it pop up over the weekend at some point. Um, I think it's one of these ever-changing ones, isn't it? That kind of, when it they sure get is. bored of parodying someone, they move on to a, another victim. Yeah, this one was talking about a move. Uh, this was Stuart triple underscore Watson, not just the original Stuart underscore Watson that you really are. Talking about Ipswich being set to sign Marcus Madison and that he'd been at Playford Road, which um, which is not true. So uh, ignore that. It's the, the the account is now called Up the Town. By the way, it's uh, it's reincarnated itself after being called out on the Marcus Madison thing by uh, by quite a lot of people who seem to have your backs, Stu. Oh, good. Yeah, uh, it's fun and games, isn't it, in the world of Twitter, um, fake news, etc. Um, we need to, we need to get you a blue tick. Do we? Mike Bacon's got a blue tick. Uh, the world is a the world is a puzzling place. I think this is uh, having two parody accounts is definitely cause for a blue tick. So t- Twitter, if you're listening, verify verify this man. He needs it. Um, not just me and Stu though. Of course, we're joined by a man who is fast becoming a parody of himself. Um, producer Ross, all right? Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, good. No, but no one's made a parody account of you just yet. But um, just, just Sergi Bolcher. Yeah. There's a there's definitely a cult of a cult of Ross out there. <laughs> it, it feels like. What do you reckon, Stu? There's uh, there's a bit of a cult following for this uh, this fine young man. As there should be. Yeah, uh, I don't know what the initiation ceremony <laughs> would be for a Ross Hall's cult. Probably break something accidentally. Yeah. Uh, what, what else would you have to do, Russ? Pronouncing gold... names. Man. Yeah. Just chant Bulcher, Bulcher, <laughs> Bulcher, Bulcher. You've broken something in the last few days, haven't you, Ross? Uh, or it, it happened but... about a week and a half ago, but I didn't announce it because I was like hoping and praying it was going to be working, but unfortunately not. It's in the camera graveyard now. Well, what happened? Well, I don't really want to tell people, but you put me on a spot now. Um, well, I put my water bottle in my bag and uh, I didn't loosen it. Oh, I didn't, you know, have it uh, properly tightened. sealed and tightened. So, yeah, it went all over the place and my cameras, both my cameras broke. But luckily, one of them is fixed itself after being in the airing cupboard for three days. Oh, good. Bag of rice, all of that. No, I didn't use rice, but um, the airing cupboard fixed one, but the other one I've had for like four years, so in a way, I it was pretty much on its last legs anyway, but yeah. Sad times. Good. Is it buried in the garden now? I haven't got a garden, so I'll have to just go to a random park and maybe bury it in a park. Just go over the heath? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. We can all uh, we can all we'll come to I'll come to the ceremony and say a few words if you like. For that we'll see it off in style. Anyway, we digress as always. Um we're here primarily to talk about another Ipswich win, which is um fast becoming a habit, as is winning games 2-0, as is keeping clean sheets, Stu. Um 
three two nil wins to start the league one season, and, and this one was a, a continuation in, in many ways of of what we've seen before, wasn't it? Yes, similar narrative certainly to the Bristol Rovers game the, the previous weekend in that it was good without being sparkling. Um, had to be patient, but eventually got two quick fire second half goals, and, and ultimately it was a a pretty comfortable and well-deserved victory. And you, you can't ask for much more than that, really. I'd, I'd describe it as a just a thoroughly professional job. It's kind of what you need in the in the howling rain and the, no, driving rain, howling wind. Rain doesn't howl, wind howls. But um, that, I think the conditions were pretty tricky at times. Um, but Ipswich navigated them the best, didn't they? The, this isn't, before, before we talk about Ipswich, Rochdale, Rochdale are no mugs. I would, I would, I would stretch to say they, they look, they look like they might cause some teams a few, a few troubles this season. So, so to, to negotiate that, um, pretty decent, I'd say. Yeah, I was, quite, I was quite impressed with Rochdale, given that they finished nineteenth last year. They, COVID kind of hit them more than most in terms of the whole spine of their team was ripped out, including. Um, their top goal scorer in Henderson, their goal scorer in midfielder Camps, who's gone to Fleetwood amongst others. So, um, but they seem to have recruited quite well on a very limited budget. Players have come in from non-league. Their goalkeeper on loan from Man City is only eighteen. The save he made from Hawkins was uh, was a bit special, and by all accounts, he's he was equally impressive. I think you touched upon it in our pre-match video in the in their draw against Portsmouth. The um, the previous weekend. So the, the fact they'd taken a point off Portsmouth, it, it was, to use the cliche, a potential banana skin for Ipswich. And they, um, you know, they, they came through it. So um, they've done all we could have asked for so far. They've, they've won the three games. Yes, the fixtures on paper have been pretty kind. They're the sort of games that you would have probably picked to get off to a good start. But they still had to, they still had to actually uh, go out there and get it done. And, and they've done that. Ross, you were part of the uh, the army of of Ipswich fans watching the game on iFollow at home. What did you what did you make of it? Seasick, pretty much. Yeah, that, that <laughs> yeah, does that does seem to be yeah. a common uh, a common thread of of iFollow viewers of late. Pretty yeah, ropey, was... pretty ropey, wasn't it? Yeah, look, for me, I know this is bad to say. I've said this in a previous pod, like. For the first 20 minutes, I weren't really watching per se because it was just one of those. I was just chatting with my mate. I was with Liam from Crew, um, and nothing really happened in the first 20 minutes. So I weren't focusing on the screen throughout. I was like in in and out. But then, like second half, I was watching the full 45 minutes. And when you are properly focused on the screen on a big TV, it is like, oh, as you said, a bit ropey and a bit all over the place. And you like you got up and down, and like the ball's getting you know, kicked up in the air and he's then following it and then he then doesn't go down. It's like, uh, are you going to come down at some point? And he just sticks. So he's just basically facing the cobbled stand without actually being on the pitch. So, yeah, mm. a lot of complaints. But um, Yeah, it's probably worth worth saying at this point that it's not the, it's not the club that are, are yeah. doing that. It's, it's a third party, um, a third party that does all the filming for all, I follow all across the country and they are working to, to sort that out. So hopefully... Uh, Hopefully for the next game, it'll be a little bit better. But what, what did you make of the uh, the game, aside from the first 20 minutes that you weren't watching? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I thought, yeah, another good performance. My boy, my, my boy Guion, scoring again. 
happy days. Um, Hawkins, big fan of Hawkins. Um, this was the time really for us to see him properly because I know he, he did well against Bristol Rhodes when he came on, but you know, from the start, showing what he can give, you know, to the team. Um, and some people may be worried that you know our strikers are not scoring, but I think with the system we're playing, I think our midfielders are going to score more goals, our wingers. You know, like as like you know, Guion. You know, he's now scored the same amount of goals he scored last season. So, um, but as you said, yeah, Rochdale were no mugs. I thought they were, you know, pretty well drilled. Um, that Rathbone ain't a bad player. Um, yeah. So overall, I thought you know, good win, clean sheet as well. Happy days. Yeah, we'll get on to a, a, a deeper discussion on Ollie Hawkins and the Ipswich strikers in a moment, but. Maybe if we just touch on the on the two goals first, obviously Hawkins was involved in the first one, but they they both kind of emanated from Stephen Ward down the left. And Stu, they're both they're both really good examples of, I guess, the goals that which do need to be scoring this season from from the centre of midfield and then from from wingers as well. That that that's where the goals needs to come from, in addition to the strikers. Yeah, I think there's this the pattern of play in this 4-3-3, we've watched it a lot in the warm-up. They kind of go through it in almost a robotic fashion, don't they? But it's very much get the ball into Dizelle's feet. And then it's all about sort of crossover runs in front of him that kind of drags teams out of position. So you'll you'll see Bishop and Nolan actually dropped a lot deeper at the weekend, didn't he? I think that was probably to do with the fact that Dizelle's now starting to get a bit more close attention so those two are kind of rotating a little bit. Nolan then suddenly drops in a little bit deeper and then Dazelle can try and escape his man marker. But ultimately then Bishop and Edwards and Sears are kind of doing a lot of crossover runs, dragging people out of position. That that creates space for the, the high fullbacks, uh, Ward in particular, to uh, to get forward and, and get balls, low balls into the box, which is exactly what happened for both goals, wasn't it? Um, Hawkins with a nice touch and layoff. Bishop for the first and then uh, the second goal was a little bit more scrappy in that there was a, uh, a block on, on Sears and the ball fell quite nicely for Edwards at the far post but the main thing is they're getting men in the box in support and um, that's what I found really encouraging that how, how long it seems like for years now that we've, we've talked about players not being in the box and uh, overloading the box and attacking things and, and now they're doing that and that's encouraging. Before we move on to Hawkins, do, just a, a quick a quick discussion of, of Bishop. Do we do we genuinely believe that Bishop can be? Obviously, he's got two in two in three league games. But do we do we believe that Bishop can be a true goal scoring midfielder? Obviously, there's there's been a void of those for quite some time at Ipswich. You have to go back to the days of Tommy Miller, maybe for a for a really prolific central midfielder. Can can Bishop be that guy? Do you think, Ross? Uh, possibly let him take penalties if we get any pens because then <laughs> that will add to his uh, goal tally. Um, as you said, you know, Stu said about, you know, players are now going into the box, you know, taking them shots when they normally didn't take them. Um, don't let Freddie Sears take free kicks. So if Teddy fancies, you know, going up for a free kick, then have opportunity to score. But as you said, yeah, we've lost, we've had that void, you know, of a goal scoring midfielder for a long time. And I think, yeah, possibly. Are you are you being called? Um, you you may be getting that impression. Um, I might just go and see if she's all right. Um, she she does have her mother here, so she's not just <laughs> she's not just like locked out on her own. But 
Do you guys want to very briefly talk about Teddy Bishop among yourselves a little bit more and who how just just how many goals could potentially come from the middle of midfield um for the next possibly 90 seconds? How does how does that sound? Uh we'll give it a try. Yeah. Um, I'll, be, goal... I'll I'll be back. Off you go mate. Uh goals from midfield we said from day 1 we're going to be important in this 4-3-3. Um I agree with Ross. I don't, I'm not too worried about the lack of goals from strikers at the moment because I think we said this in a previous podcast. There have been chances for strikers and on another day, Hawkins could have had a, had a hat-trick at the weekend. He's had one off the line. He's rattled the post. He had that remarkable save that denied his, his header. So that's not too big a concern. But um, I don't think you need a, a midfielder to suddenly go mad and score 15 plus or anything like that. But if they can all chip in with, or if, if a handful of players can all chip in with sevens, eights, nines, then uh, they should be all right. And um, from what we've seen so far, that hopefully won't won't be a problem, will it, Russ? No, like, we won't have a, a Steven Gerrard or Frank Lampard-esque mid- goal-scoring midfielder because they're at a different level. But... As you said, if everyone you know chips in, even defenders, even like fullbacks, like maybe Stephen Ward can chip in with some goals. Um, you know, got Luke Chambers, who's you know right back at the moment. He you know he likes to get in the box, and you know he's already scored one this season. And that was in the league at League Cup, but you know he's got a, got a header there. But Toto as well, maybe you know he can be a, a big risk in the box as well. So Ch- Chambers think, yeah. will fancy some more goals now he's at yeah. right back. You okay. can see him. Uh, I watch him off the ball. He's he's itching to make those far post runs. I can see maybe a, a Ward deep cross and a and a Chambers back post header at some stage. The two veteran fullbacks combining. Um, he, he fancies himself to get forward, I think, Chambers. I'm back. There he is. How did you how did you get on? Good some good chat, it sounds like. Yeah. We've good. capped the midfield goal chat, my friend. I think we can move on. Good. Okay. Let's go uh let's let's talk in depth about Ollie Hawkins because um, just to, uh, just actually just to smooth off, uh, my daughter's got some new trousers that have got a rainbow on them and she, uh, she wanted to show me. They look great. Um, okay. Ollie Hawkins, uh, his biggest impact in this game was laying on Teddy Bishop's goal, but he could have, he could have had a hat trick himself, couldn't he? Yeah, we've, we've, <laughs> I've just mentioned that in the chat that we had while you were away, but yeah, it was, um. The save was obviously remarkable. The, the, I loved the the spin and the half folly that smashed against the post. That was left footed uh, in the first half. That was really good. Um, he plays that forward role in a disciplined way. I think um, uh, more like Aaron Dryden did in terms of being that focal point and the pivot for for others to play off of. His uh, his touch is very good, as we saw with the assist. Um, he's a handful. He occupies centre halves. Obviously, at six foot five, he's he's decent in the air. I just thought he played it a, in a in a pretty disciplined way, which enabled the team to kind of play off of him. I think Norwood is a different kettle of fish. We've talked about him being kind of the madman who runs around everywhere. One minute he's he's picking the ball up virtually at centre half. Next minute he's out on the flanks. Um, he's like a hand grenade that just kind of goes off and creates carnage and drags people out of position and he plays off the cuff and, and there's nothing wrong with that I think it will be different 
different strikers for different games. Um, we've still got Jackson to throw back into the mix as well with kind of out-and-out pace and playing off the shoulder. So it's nice that Ipswich have got a variety of, of strike options and I'm sure they'll all be required at different stages of the season. But um, I was impressed with Hawkins, mm-hmm. did well. Is the shirt is the shirt his now, do we think, Ross? Will he, do you think he'll start next weekend at MK Dons? Yeah, I think so. You know, definitely with his performance. So... Norwood, I think, still trying to get up for speed, and I think Norwood will have to just try to impress coming off the bench and trying to notch a goal. But yeah, I think Hawkins is now, I think, a fan favourite. I think a lot. I think he's going to be one of that cult figures. I think maybe, you know, with how big he is and stuff, and holding up the play and all that jazz, and hopefully he can get get a goal. He's another one of these players that I, I, I spoke to Ollie Hawkins after after the game at the weekend, and he's another. Another one of these players that I feel absolutely ridiculous standing next to um, is not quite Thomas Holy six foot nine level, but um, if you can picture people that sit in the lower tier of the um, of the co-op Britannia stand, whatever it's called now, will know there's kind of a, a ramp going up uh, to get into the lower tier of that concourse. And Ollie was stood at the top of it, six foot five. I was stood at the bottom of it, five foot six. Um, it's absolutely ridiculous. My arm wasn't even long enough to get up to his kind of shoulder height. I just can't be doing. I can't be doing with these tall footballers. It's embarrassing. Lucky don't cover basketball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I would, I would look absolutely ridiculous. Um, where, where do, we, where do we see Caden Jackson fitting into, fitting into all of this? Because um, the weekend was notable for. For that one change, Hawkins coming in for Norwood, but none. There were four, like four players that had come back into training that weren't yet ready to 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 be in the eighteen. Who you would would think have a, would have a real start of of starting. They were regular starters last season in in Judge, Skews, Jackson, and Wolfenden. So this is it's get it's beginning to get a little bit a little bit ridiculous, isn't it? Because because those four would at least at very least be hopeful of a place on the bench. So oh, is he is Lambert obviously he's 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 keeping consistent with this side but he's going to have to make some difficult decisions even with his substitutes bench at some yeah, point. Yeah. I think the two that are clearly most in danger of those four is is Jackson and Skews. Um with the way the midfield is playing at the moment it's hard to see a way back in for for Cole at this moment in time. Um is he is he the Andre Dazelle deputy? Is that is that what he's kind of destined to to be? Obvi- obviously, we we know he's not the same player as Andre Dazelle. But is that is that what his role is going to be from now on? Because sure, he's going to struggle to get one of those two more advanced roles because there's there's Downs and Hughes ahead of him for one of those. So is is that I, where I would think so? Yeah, I think that's probably what his place is in in the pecking order at, at the moment. Um, but he'll play that role very differently, and uh, um, into to the way that Andre does. I think the way I think he has been the biggest difference to the waves which are playing this season in terms of the way he gets the ball off the defence. But his first thought is to turn and be positive and play forwards, which Cole Scoos is is many many good things. We know that you know he he reads danger. He covers the full-backs. He makes a vast amount of interceptions. Technically, 
he's very sound. He, he rarely gives the ball away, but he's not going to play that through the eye of the needle pass like Andre does. He's not going to play a give and go and then burst into the left corner flag and cross for Ollie Hawkins to have a, a header go just wide as he, as he did at Bristol Rovers. So, yeah, I, I, that, in answer to your question, that is probably his, his place in the pecking order at the moment. But even even then, should Andre not be available at some stage, I think, and Cole was available, I still think Lambert would have a decision on his mind as to whether he goes with sort of Hughes and, and puts Nolan slightly deeper to try and replicate the, the Dazelle type of role or, or do something like that. Um, Jackson, um, similar debate, really, given what we've just said about strikers. What, what do you reckon? Im- impact sub at, at, at best at the moment? It feels like that at the moment. Um, yeah, uh, I would like. I would still like to see him try and play one of the f- wide forward roles. Just, uh, I, I, my gut feeling is it it wouldn't become partic- come particularly naturally f- to him. But I'd like to see it just to just to be able to form an opinion on it that way because the pay the pace there could could really work if you can get if you can get sort of linking up with Hawkins and then get the pace in behind and maybe some some finishing from wide. I th- I, there's a chance that could work, but then in in general play, I, I think in terms of touch and and passing and and linking up with necessarily linking up with fullbacks who are bombing on, I think that might be a struggle for him there. But I would like I'd like to see him try because he's a good football player and he did he did some really good things for Ipswich last season. So to write to write him off feels a little a little foolish, but um, it's hard to it is hard to picture him starting ahead of ahead of. Um, Hawkins, Hawkins a, a, and Jackson. A lot can happen over the course of this season and as, as, as encouraging as the start has been yet, there will be times where perhaps against better opposition, when team is the, the longer the season goes on, other teams will perhaps have made big changes over the summer, start to bed in a little bit more. Ipswich's own identity might get worked out a little bit and there will be times where probably Ipswich are frustrated and they're not able to dominate possession the way they have done and you know we've seen a little bit of that already they've had to be patients against Bristol Rovers and against against Rochdale as well there might be times where they're finding it even harder to find that breakthrough and then if you've got Jackson to step off the bench and be someone that even just over a 10-20 minute period can just change the course of the game out and out pace against a tiring defence who've just had to spend 70 minutes fighting Ollie Hawkins, all of a sudden have got one of the quickest players in the game running off your shoulder and Andre Dizel supplying the through balls for him. Um, that is that is a good piece of weaponry in, in your arsenal. And I know we're saying, well, he, he doesn't fit in this current system, but it's all very well going, well, we, we could get some decent money for him now, but it's going to be hard to reinvest that money as well because of the salary cap. So... Are you better off keeping him for uh, for further down the line? Um, at the minute, it's hard to see where he fits in, but I'm sure he will come in very handy over the course of a, a very long season. I make you right. Um, before we before we move on to something a little bit lighter, I'll just chuck a chuck a few thoughts in from from our listening KOA army. Um, ITFC thoughts says Rochdale was another solid win without being perfect and a clean sheet with a big green tick next to it. Hawkins seems to be more suited to this role over Norwood and had a good game. Unlucky not to score. Still early days. 
with a generous start with fixtures, but a clear identity starting to show. ITFC says Hawkins is a proper great touch for a big man striker, held the ball up well and made chances for himself. Uh, I don't see we have better leading the line than him at present. Arthur Pickthorn, King Arthur Pickthorn, still believes that uh, James Nord is our best striker, uh, but with goals coming from midfield, there's less pressure than last season for whoever is up top. Um, wants to see Jack Lancaster in the team ASAP. I think we all want to see Jack Lancaster in the team, don't we? But there's absolutely no need to to rush a young man. He's had a real real tough time with injuries over the last 18 months. Um, James Johnson says, I think Hawkins is definitely showing what he can do and won't be long until his goals come. He'd love to see Downs start, but can you really take any of the midfield players out when they're playing so well? Uh, and Mark Wakeley um, sees Hawkins in pole position for the striking position due to discipline, more discipline than Norwood. Uh, positive start, clear system and pattern of play with good options from the bench. Just think Downs, Wolfenden and KVY to come back. Uh, we'll, we'll dip into the uh, the KORA Army's thoughts a little bit more a little bit later. But even though Mark's not here this week, that doesn't mean we can't have a big question. So for one week and one week only, against my better judgment, we've allowed um, we've allowed producer Ross to uh, to bring the big question. So uh, here we go. Producer Ross's big question. Right then, young man, what have you, uh, what have you got? What have you got for us? I dread to think. <laughs> so I had to move. I had to move location because uh, Sasha needed the the living room to make her breakfast. So, but anyway, I, I, I digress. Now, this is. Uh, I've got two questions, so it's depending on what you want. So, out of one or two, which one would you like? You picked you. Uh, number two. Okay. Now this is a question I got um, given by somebody because I wanted to sort of ask some listeners if they had got a question for us. So this is from good old Kieran Stanley. He um, put the question in saying, what is the worst mistake you've ever seen in a football match? Oof. Worst mistake. Could be a, you know, a big sitter. Could be a referee's decision. Could be someone slipping. Uh, I'll tell you what I was reminded of recently, actually, was um, I thought this video video footage was lost forever. Um, but a few weeks ago, maybe months now, this this last this last six six months has kind of blended into one. Um, can you hear me twice, by the way? Yes. Probably my. Oh God. Yeah, I think it's probably you, Rossi boy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the footage of Marlon Harewood's miss for Ipswich against Oxford, I think it was in 1999, possibly, which is outrageous that he, he's, he's in the middle of the goal. The goalkeeper's on the penalty spot. He's in the six-yard box, and he, he's managed to kind of tow the ball out of the sky, but somehow managed to hit the post. I remember at the time, I was probably... 13 or 14 at the time watching this game and I could not believe what I'd seen but then it it didn't make the the highlights that ended up on the end of season video and for that reason I just thought it was gone forever but somehow 
it popped up on Twitter um, fairly recently. And it is worse than I remember it. It was out- outrageous. And that's the only thing I can remember of, of Marlon Harewood's loan loan spell with Ipswich. So uh, I'd probably still go with that one, to be honest. Um, have you seen the video from the, I think it's the Belgian second tier. Have you mm. seen that recently? Yeah. In terms of worst ever misses, I think that has got to be at the very top. Um, look it up. Just look up Belgian football worst miss or something. I'm sure you'll find it on Twitter. Uh, yeah, somehow the guy manages to. I, I don't even know what he does. He's how did it lead to that chance? Was it like a long ball or a through ball? But ultimately, he's got a one on one on the line, and he somehow manages to kind of slide into the post. Does he at the back post? Like mm-hmm. it's it's all a bit messy. But that that's a good one in terms of live. Do you remember Ibrahima Sonko? I, this, was, this will always stick in my mind. The Barnsley game where Jewel is on the brink. I think we've talked about this before. They're on a, a hell of a losing run. They go to Oakwell. They're 3-0 down, I think it was, at the time, uh, before half-time. And uh, Sonko, the ball kind of goes past the goalkeeper and Sonko some, somehow kind of slices it against his own post and just about gets away with it. And I think if the score had gone to 4-0, my memory might be letting me down here, but I know they were trailing. Um, that could have been curtains for Jewel. And then Ipswich came storming back in the second half. Keith Andrews scored very early and they won 5-3. So, um, and that kind of prolonged his stay. But that, in terms of sort of a comedy moment, although it didn't lead to a, go- a goal... That will always stick in my mind, that one. What about you, Ross? Have you got an answer to Kieran's question? I can't believe you farmed out your one <laughs> opportunity to do Ross's big question to to someone else, by the, the way. The, the other question is, what is your favourite animal? But I thought that's a bit bit lame. <laughs> that's, a so, much be- that's a much better yeah. question. The penguin. Penguin. Okay, Stu? Uh, probably an eagle. <laughs> eagle? Okay. Nice choice. Ross, what's your what's your favourite animal? Giraffe. Giraffe. Yeah, giraffes are good. Giraffes yeah. are good. Very um, very long necks on a giraffe, famously. Do they sleep? They must not sleep, or are they? Or do sleep giraffes like sleep? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For goodness sake. <laughs> they. Mate, what how could how could they possibly live for like forty years without uh, without sleeping? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we'll move oh, on. Uh, no. And then mistake. I don't. I can't think of a live one, but it, it's always funny when you see a goalkeeper celebrating like a missed penalty, but then it actually then goes in. Like it hits the crossbar and it bounces in. That's a great shot. Yeah, big fan of that. Yeah, it's a good video of like one goalkeeper who's like celebrating and then bounces over, and he's like, "Oh god, it's gone in." <laughs> there you do, go. Do, do giraffes sleep? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, let's move on. That's it for yep. Kieran. Kieran's big question. Thank you, Kieran, for uh, doing Ross's job for him. Um, let's move on. Next on next on the agenda is that uh, the Ipswich Town defence, which has now kept three successive league clean sheets. Here's a here's a fun fact for you. This is the first time in 21 years that Ipswich have won three league games in a row, scoring more than once in each of them, 
but also keeping a clean sheet. Did you know that? I do now. Well, so that's that's today's fun fact. But three clean sheets from a centre half pairing of Toto Enciala and James Wilson. We didn't see that coming at the when we were putting together preferred 11s at the back end of August before this all got started, did we? No, definitely not. Um, but you can't you can't knock them. Um, Toto had what I would class as a peak Toto Enciala game at the weekend on the ball. Uh, let's just say he didn't have the best of days, did he? There was a, a few sloppy giveaways of, of possession. But defensively, you could not knock him. He put everything into that performance. Uh, towards the end, I think he got, for about the third time in quick succession, he blocked a shot, ball clattered into him with a big stretch of the legs, and he was he was limping heavily after that. He just... Ipswich had to work hard for this clean sheet, didn't they? It was, um, you know, Rochdale, to their credit, even at 2-0, didn't just quietly go away. They were really sort of pushing for a goal back, even in the latter stages. And uh, Ipswich had to defend strongly. And, and Toto, he can make a mistake, but he's also got the pace and the athleticism to get himself out of, out of trouble. Um there's always that thing in the back of your mind that there's a there's a foul waiting to happen or a mistake waiting to happen, but you can't knock the way he's, he's started this season so far. And I thought Wilson was was even better actually in, in an understated way. I look back at his stats afterwards. We you know a few times we remarked to each other how well he'd kind of switched the play out to uh, one side or the other. Um, his passing was was very good, which is not something that we've necessarily. Um, kind of equated with him so far. He's been the no-nonsense, head-it, kick-it centre-half, but he was actually quite good on the ball. So, um, McGuinness and Wolfenden might have to bide their time a little bit longer. And that's before you even start to think about the, the captain um, actually being a central defender. I know we're, we're waiting for Vincent Young to come back into the fold, but it's a bit of a, without going overboard, it's a, it's, it's a little bit of an embarrassment of riches in there, isn't it? It's becoming as, as congested as as the centre of midfield has been for, for so many years. What do you reckon, Rossi? Yeah, I agree with that. Good. Good. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I, um, I think it's clear that Lambert has brought in McGuinness to play. Um, he was asked about basically. Yeah, he's saying all the right things about you know you play well, you keep the shirt, and the lads know they've got a fight on their hand. But it's always very quickly followed up in the last couple of press conferences, pre and post-match. But McGuinness looks a player and, you know, he, he's, uh, you can tell he's he's excited about McGuinness and he's keen to get him in there sooner rather than later. I would suggest maybe even ahead of Wolfenden, who, by contrast, has kind of... Lambert's not been over the top with his praise of Wolfenden, put it that way, since we've come back. And, uh, you know... We can only judge on what's being said publicly, but there was obviously the comment about he's got to get himself going in pre-season and do better and whether there was a suggestion that, that Luke's needs a rocket up the bum after a very good season. Um, so, as we've always said, I think over the course of a season, even with this, you play well, you keep the shirt, eventually the kind of natural order will find itself and I'm not sure that Enciala Wilson will be that will be that too in in the long term. But at the minute, 
Lambert's got to stick by his word and, and go with the two that have got possession of the shirt until uh, until their performances suggest otherwise. Yeah, that that was that was going to be my next point. You can't leave either of those two out. Certainly not now, can you? They're not in danger of losing their place for next for next weekend. You can't you can't possibly do that and still and still sort of talk about playing well and keeping the shirt, can you? No, definitely not. I think there's probably only one player that that you would maybe say that didn't quite do, that could maybe be usurped next weekend. And that was probably Freddie Sears. Ross touched upon the fact that you know he wasted another really good free kick opportunity. I think the previous games he kind of put them fairly harmlessly over the bar. This one he blasted straight into the wall and it wasn't clipping the top of the wall. This was right into the body of the wall. Um, he was reasonably quiet out on the left, wasn't he? Um, but we had the same situation with Teddy Bishop at Bristol Rovers where we ummed and ahed whether he'd had a quiet hour there and whether Downs would come in. Is one is one quiet game um, enough to sort of drop you out. That's where we'll need to see where sort of Lambert's threshold is in terms of keeping your your place in the team. Mm. But he's about the only one that I would suggest is in some sort of amber danger zone, question mark zone heading into next weekend. Are we going to start putting traffic lights on all of these? <laughs> I quite I quite like that idea. Is green in which way does it got does it work? Is green kind of green is safe. Green is green is safe. Your, your spot is secured. Uh, so Andre Dezel is a green. You got Teddy Bishop on a on an amb, um sorry Freddie Sears on an amber. I quite like I quite like this. Let's uh, let's roll with it. Um, on the subject of Teddy Bishop, his uh, his goal celebration raised a few eyebrows and a few comments. Again, uh, fingers in ears, just like Luke Chambers did in when he scored against Bristol Rovers. Um, there's a theme emerging here, isn't there, Stu? There's a there's a blocking out the noise agenda. It's a thing, isn't it? I think this officially makes it a thing. It is a thing. Um, we've had sort of Toto and Ciala talking about wanting to shut a few people up this season and silence the critics. A very similar interview from from Luke Chambers with um, blocking out the noise and lots of ridiculous things have been said and written. We had the, the the Chambers, like you say, the fingers in the ears. More more love, less hate was the caption that he put on that in social media. And now and now Teddy doing it as well, which surprised me to be honest, because I think you can kind of you can definitely see where Toto's coming from. I think he. You know, a lot of what was said about him, I gather he was even getting sort of direct messages that weren't particularly kind last season, which which I don't really understand. But so you can kind of see it from his point of view. Chambers, we've always talked about kind of being a lightning rod for opinion and defenders' mistakes always kind of get highlighted. But for Teddy to do it, I didn't really understand. Has anyone ever said anything other than, Fabulous player. It's just a shame that he's. Let's you know. It's just a shame he's always been injured. Does that is that the sort of noise that he needs to be making a big point of blocking out? Mm. Uh, that just points to me of it being kind of a, a squad wide discussion point rather than rather than individuals kind of doing doing those kind it of. It feels things. like it, doesn't it? It feels like yeah. they've had a discussion at some point and. Whether it's come from the manager who, unprompted, I, I said to him, you know, you, you mentioned pre-match, Paul, that you feel like the difference between the start of last season and this is that 
your team is playing a lot better, which is something he's brought up himself. And he said, yeah, absolutely. You guys can write what you want, but I do think we're playing better. And I think, well, everybody's recognised that they're, they're playing better. I don't I don't know whether this is something that Lambert's come up with or my, my bigger hunch is that this is probably Chambers-led, the captain kind of getting everyone together and... It's kind of a back to my, my fear is that it's going back to kind of the Mick McCarthy. You're either on the outside of the camp pissing in or the inside pissing out, which I don't think necessarily helped with fans relations towards the end. Um, this time last year, we had the, the hand holding post-match celebrations in front of the fans, which we all felt was a little bit premature at the start of last season and wondered that it might come back to bite them. And ultimately it did. I, I, I also have same reservations about this. If you kind of ram message that everyone's been critical. I mean, come on, this is Ipswich town had just finished, been relegated and finished 11th in league one. Did the noise and the criticism really go over the top? I don't think so. I think it would have been a hell of a lot worse at many, many other clubs up and down the land. So to make that a thing so early in this season when there's no fans inside the stadium, again, it could, it's a long old season and could, could that come back to kind of make you look a little bit silly further down the line? I really hope not, but mm, it's, it's not for me, I have mm. to say. I don't think you need things this early in the season. You kind of, you, you set the things as a football team, set the things on the pitch yourself rather than with messages and agendas and things like that. It's certainly split opinion among people. And and I also think it's, it's not a particularly good look at a time where fans aren't allowed in the stadium to watch. I'm not sure it's a particularly helpful message for fans either. Luke Moles says, um, is asked if the finger in the ear celebration is aimed at fans. And if it is, then it's absolutely pathetic. He says, and Martin Coad adds, I do wonder if the fingers in the ears shut out all the noise celebrations is part of a Lambert of a Lambert us versus them plan. But are the fans part of them? Maybe it's working, but this would separate fans from the players again, like in the past. I think that's a pretty good summary of it, to be honest. Yeah, it could be it could be a Lambert thing. We know he likes things, German things. That's where the the whole hand holding stuff came from. You know, I you know you. He played in Germany. I don't know if you're aware of that, but that's where um, that's where that came from. I suddenly thought of it and I mentioned it in a team meeting at the hotel and we went with it. I don't think the players were necessarily comfortable doing that last season, to be quite honest. So it could have come from Lambert. It might have come from the players. And then who, who, that aim, who it is aimed at is the next question. I think it's probably a combination of us as the media, um, which... You know, there's not a huge media frenzy surrounding Ipswich Town. So if you can't deal with, as we've said before, the handful of people that have said not exactly over the top stuff, do you, do you really need to be sending that message out publicly? If it's aimed at the fans, that's not a great look. The other theory is that it might even be aimed at Lambert himself. It's a sort of an internal player thing. We know that Ta Lambert's gone down the sort of tough love route with everybody this, this summer. It might even be players getting together and it might be their own little, I don't know, in-house joke, something kind of aimed back towards that. That's just me thinking out loud. That's no, There's no sort of knowledge on that front. But if it's any of those theories that I've just come up with there, I still, I'm still not 
I still don't think any of them are valid making it a, a thing. But um, there we go. There we go. Let's see. Let's see what happens next time. Anybody, any scores, but anybody scores. But as long as the goals keep coming, um, everything, everyone's going to be relatively happy. Three wins, three clean sheets, top of the table. Um, but still, some nagging concerns. Maybe I, I don't know if that's because we who follow follow Ipswich are all uh, br- battered and bruised from from wars past and had hopes dashed in the past. But Ross, are you are, are you completely won over by by the way they've started this season, or are there still some some concerns in there for you that that need to be ironed out? Yeah, like you know, we don't want to get too carried away because we had the same. But last last season at the start, you know, fantastic start. But I, I feel like we've definitely started better than last season. Um, of course, you know, we've we've won our opening three games. So last year it was a draw, weren't it? Was it two draws and one win? Uh, they beat Burton, drew with Sunderland, oh, yeah. and drew at Peterborough. Yeah. yeah so yeah, um, yeah, still some concerns in there. But I was um, when I was doing interviews, um, I was around Lynn's and crew, and he was just like couldn't believe some of the fans like there was you know we just won the game but there's still a few little concerns in there and like thinking you know I know we've had a, a rough time the last few years but sometimes you just you know you should just go yep yeah, happy days 2-0 win clean sheet top of the league you know let's move on to the next game but you know sometimes we can't get too carried away um, I think yeah. that might actually help it switch this year because yeah. I think that even on a subconscious level they might have lost a little bit of an edge it was like I think they went into that season really sort of with a real steely-eyed focus about sort of changing that losing habit following relegation and Lambert himself to be fair said that you know that winning start perhaps didn't do them many favours because it raised expectation levels so high Um, and people were you know I know the whole 100 points, 100 goal thing has become a bit of a parody and a joke now, but you know there was an element of seriousness about it last year that we're going to we're going to HMS piss the league, we're going to absolutely walk this god awful horrible division that you know we you know people almost sort of disparaging of this this level that Ipswich had found themselves at and maybe some of that permeated into the squad that thought actually we don't even have to play that well and we can still win games at this level um and it and it that wasn't the case. Whereas this year, maybe they'll just retain that, even when they're winning games, even when they're playing well, there'll be those question marks in the back of everybody's mind about, hang on a minute, we've been here before. And if that just retains an extra 1%, 2% focus throughout the entirety of the season, hopefully that can be a good thing. I'll just, we'll just finish up with some, uh, some listener comments here. Nick Abel-Smith asked if we're concerned that the fans might get carried away given the relatively poor standard of opposition so far. Just terrified that anything similar to last season happening again, and it now feels like we're anything other than first, it'll be seen as disastrous. FPL Tractor, my main lingering doubt is beating teams that are likely to be top half, which they have obviously haven't, haven't necessarily played yet, but encouraged by the style of football being played. Charlie Baxter says it's been a good start, but after which... Which game this side of Christmas do you think being top would make you confident Ipswich really are able to compete at that at that level of the table? There's there's certainly an argument that the start hasn't been uh, hasn't been particularly tough on paper, but for me, if you're looking you're looking down the fixture list and you get to November time, um, I think they start November with a, a game at Sunderland and there's there's matches with Blackpool in there and 
and uh, things like that. It really does seem to go up a level come November if they're still very much in the mix or well, top of the league or, or very much in the mix at the end of November. That's probably for me when I'll start to... Yeah, start I, I would, I'd argue maybe even sooner than that. I mean, MK Don's away this weekend is another that they really should be winning. But I think, you know, Gillingham have, have started quite well and they seem to have recruited well over the summer. Charlton, I think they're playing better than their results suggest. Um, it's a thin squad there, but their starting 11 is, is a decent one. Um, so those two games are coming up. That will be another little indicator. I think there'll be a step up in, in class. And then October, you've got Doncaster and Lincoln both away and they, they've both started really well as well. So um, even before we get to that November period, I think we'll, we'll get an idea of... Uh, of where Ipswich are at, hopefully. I'm looking forward to seeing that. I am looking forward to seeing where they're, where they're at in terms of, of those sides that you expect to be up, up the top end. Because they, they are, to be fair, they're, they're playing some really nice stuff, Ipswich, aren't they? Um, and I think, I think I'd feel that little bit more comfortable if, if the strikers were off the mark. It doesn't bother me. I'm not overly worried about it at the moment. If there had just been a nice, if if one of those Hawkins goals had gone in, or if Norwood had got himself off the mark, in addition with to some goals from midfield, I'd um, I'd just feel that little bit, little bit more comfortable. But um, we shall see. We shall see. We can't. You can't really knock three wins, three clean sheets, can you? No, definitely not. I think that's probably a good, a good point to leave things. Does anybody have any other business? You know, you know what? Actually, I've got some. I've got some other business that I forgot that we were going to talk about. Um, one thing interesting that did come out of Paul Lambert's pre-match press conference on Friday was um, was talk of, uh, he was asked whether he would like to add another another wide player to to this squad. We talked about Freddie Sears being on the amber, on the amber warning. Um, maybe that amber warning is kind of a dark amber, a burnt orange, um, given that Lambert has... has We've known that he's wanted a winger for some time, and he, he said so again on on Friday, Stu. What do we what do we make of that? Is that needed, and what kind of player do we think that player that that signing would need to be? Um, from what I gather, it, it will be a a lefty, someone for that left hand side. I think perhaps one thing this squad maybe lacks is is out and out pace. Um, if Jackson's not going to be in that starting eleven, if if Vincent Young is out for the foreseeable, they might go for a a quick, quick winger to play to compete down that that left hand side. I think um, you look at the winger options at the moment. Edwards is the most direct, but Judge is very much a sort of drift inside, all all over the place type type winger. I think Freddie. He's a clever player, but I don't know if you necessarily expect him to go beating a man every time he gets the ball. Lancaster, again, is is very much an intricate sort of come inside off the flanks type winger. So I think they might go for more of an old-fashioned, uh, yeah, quick quick winger. And I think it, it will be the lone route and it will probably be looking for, for a Premier League uh, young and to come in and sort of uh, to help. We talked about different options up front. I think that will provide a, a different variety of, of winger for certain games. The the latest in a line of, of Premier League wingers from uh, Fraser, Vincent Young. Uh, not Vincent, what am I on about? Maitland-Niles, the other dub, double-barrelled name. Um, Tom Lawrence. Selena and Tom Lawrence. They've all, they've, all done, um, they've all done pretty well in the past. So if they can get that one right, 
Um, that'll be interesting. Uh, interesting to see how that comes off. It'll be also be interesting. To, you say a lefty. What what is a left winger these days? Are we thinking a proper left footed winger is what oh. they need? Because the only left footed winger they currently have is Jack Lancaster, who who plays on the right. Yeah, not not necessarily left footed, but someone to play on that left hand side. Um, yeah, Lambert does seem to like the the inverted wingers, but um, you know they've addressed the left. We talked about addressing the left footed balance in the squad over the summer. I mean, with Dazelle in the team, provides some left footed balance and ward. But yeah, I may well be left footed. I don't, I don't know, but um, but certainly someone to I think sort of compete down that that left side of the front three. Um, whether whether it's needed is another debate. Really, are you starting to? make the squad too bloated and you know we talked about the players that didn't even make the bench at, at the weekend when you start having to make big decisions on terms of players that don't even get into the match day 18 you can create yourself some unnecessary problems I think Mick Mills was talking about this on, on commentary at the weekend I heard him while I was typing up the quotes that you can create yourself a problem as a manager if you don't have that sort of tight-knit squad that are all genuinely wanting each other to do quite well like you can you can accept not being in the team if those ahead of you are, are playing well but if you feel like there's a real sort of blockage of your pathway to the team then it's really hard to come in and be smiley and motivated every day mm. at training and too many frowns about the place can kind of uh, affect the mood so um for me I think they need to get people out the building as much as uh, they need to get people in mm. And who needs another winger, Ross, when uh, Guion Edwards, your boy, <laughs> is uh, is going to lead the scoring charts? Yeah, pretty much. Two goals in three games. You know, that, was this his first start? Has he started uh, already? One no, he started. He started at Bristol. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Of course, I should have known that. Should have known that. He's my boy. But yeah, yeah. And I think you know Lancaster when he's up at speed, he can come on, or he can even start and chuck Edwards back on the left, and then Lancaster on the right. And as you said, Jackson, we mentioned earlier as well. You know, he, you know, maybe let's try him in a, a forward role because he can then maybe jump on them like what Edwards's goal. Jackson could do that sort of thing as well. You can tap in goals and get in the box, and you know, use his use his speed. Use his speed, indeed. Uh, right, uh, that's that's enough now. Uh, Stuart Watson, do you have no other any... business? Excellent, Ross Halls. I'm done. We're all done. Thanks for listening, everybody. Remember, you can subscribe, and it'd be great if you did subscribe on iTunes, Google, Google Podcasts. You know what? There's a new one that's popped up on our uh, on our little list of uh, places that you can listen to this podcast that I've never heard of before. So, if anybody is listening on GeoSaven, GeoSaven, which is sounds really Suffolk but isn't. Uh, Give us a shout because I've never heard of that before. Um, and you can leave us a five-star review, which would be really helpful for visibility in the charts. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for joining me, Stu and Ross. And we'll be back, hopefully, on Thursday to look ahead to MK Dons. Cheers, guys. See you all soon. From true crime to football, Brexit to postal, more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.
Treadmill. More great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.